This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton. You can be part of our conversation. SMS 34519. You can telegram 061-895-1019 or you could tweet at Chai FM. Let's get into it. Okay. 12 days away from Rosh Hashanah. 22 days away from Yom Kippur, 27 days away from Sukkot. Lots of stuff going on. We're in a real intense time of the year, and please God, it will only get a beautiful intensity and not, heaven forbid, opposite. But as this time of the year comes around, it's also the time that you start hearing the following. Oof. Ah, gosh, man. Ooh, this year has been nasty. Ah, ooh, um... Yeah, I mean, like, compared to any other year, I just don't remember a year like this. It's, it's, it's really getting worse. I just can't recall ever coming into Rosh Hashanah like this. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> the problem is that you said the same thing 12 months ago, and 24 months ago, and 36 months ago, and 48 months ago. Pretty much every single year, the typical finishing of the year goes like this. This year has really been a tough one. I mean, this year, like, just life is getting worse and worse and worse. Now, for argument's sake, let's say that's true, which it isn't, but let's say it's true. I want to share some facts, um, stats with you that should hopefully be able to give us a much healthier perspective on what we would like to achieve in this coming year. So... Recent studies have come across that in the Western world, the biggest cause of death, other than obviously natural illness, more than terrorism, car accidents, and violence combined, is suicide. Combined. You don't need me to tell you that the biggest cause of most of our emotional turmoil is ourselves. Right? There's very little stuff that we can blame on politicians or political climates that affect our um, relationship with our children, our marriage. Yes, financial struggles sometimes get in the way, but ultimately what sends us to tears and what breaks our heart and what ha- and the way we break other people's heart is rarely an issue out there. It's an issue in me. It's an issue in here. And yet, when Rosh Hashanah comes around, the New Year comes around, you hear everybody talking about the world problems. The brand is weaker than it's been in a while, and the the politics seems to be terrible, and the, and the world seems to be going crazy, and anti-Semitism seems to be going out of control. And whether some of the stuff are true or some of the stuff are not true, for me it's mostly irrelevant, because even if it's all true what I just said, that's not what's causing our issues in life. That's not what's causing the havoc. That's not what's causing us stress. What's causing the issues in our life is our own lack of growth. It's our own issues. We are our biggest threat. I, Levy, can hurt my life more than anybody else on the planet. And statistically, in today's day and age, that that we pretty much all live in democracies and we all live in, in, in with incredible freedoms, and even if we struggle financially, we still have access to stuff that our great-grandparents could have only dreamed of. All that combined means that we, I, am the biggest threat to myself. 
again, this is not a disempowering message, so please bear with me, because if you are your biggest threat, you're also your biggest solution. In other words, never before have we had the ability to destroy our lives and to build our lives with the amount of freedom that we have in today's day and age. It's only in the last 29, 30 years that at least the Jewish world can sit there saying that pretty much every single Jew in the world today lives in a democracy. It's the first 30 years in Jewish history that every Jew lives in a democracy. As far as I know, there's no Jews in North Korea. Till 1989, till 1990, millions of Jews lived in communism. They lived in the former Soviet Union. So I'm not only talking about Jews now, thinking about even countries which are still somewhat communist, there's, there's no question that they're much freer than they've ever been, China, etc. And yes, there's issues and there's right-wing extremism across the world. I'm not avoiding those issues, but my point is that we are also living in times of incredible freedom. And therefore, the point is not that out there it's free, the point is you are free. Almost every single decision that you made today was totally yours. The government didn't make decisions for you. A dictator didn't sit and sit there, you know, making policies about how many times you have salute salute their image. This is not North Korea. I was watching this talk recently of a, a girl who escaped North Korea, like, and she says that many people, once she escaped, they ask her, "Why don't North Koreans rebel? And why don't they rebel against Kim Jong Un and rebel against the whole anarchy that goes on over there?" And she said, "She says." We don't even know that there's an alternative. We don't know that there's a universe outside North Korean border. We don't know that there's another way other than seeing your, um, you know, president or your leader as the, the God. There is no other way. And if that's all you know, that's all you know. But we don't live like that. Nobody's telling us how many times to turn in which direction. Nobody's slapping us across the face if we don't bow in the right way. We made our decisions today. Pretty much nobody, I can, unless you know you're still in a school stu- student, nobody told you what time to wake up this morning, but even then, you had your free choice. If you didn't show up, worst comes worst, you'd get, you know, a proverbial slap on the wrist. Not even that, because you can't give a slap on the wrist anymore, so you would just get a little punishment, or you'd get a note. In a job, the worst that can happen is you'll get fired, and now that's terrible, but ultimately, we have freedom. We make choices. Nobody's going to hit us with a rock. Nobody's going to throw us down the stairs. No one's going to do these kinds of stuff if we don't make the right choice. We live our lives with incredible freedom. And yet, if you thought, if you talk to the average Joe Schmo out there, they'll convince you that being alive in 2019, entering Rosh Hashanah 5780, Life has never been tougher. I mean, our ancestors lived in paradise compared to where we lived. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Definitely. Now, again, I'm not talking about the macro. Whether the, the world is getting crazy or not is a discussion we've had many times on the show. And it's irrelevant for this point because... The the relevant point is that 95% of your stress, even if the world is going crazy, 95% of your stress is self-induced. It's you. It's me. It's my own life. It's my choices. Nobody's forcing me to be a good husband or a bad husband. No one's forcing me to develop certain kinds of relationship with my kids. I cannot blame outside influences for most of my life's challenges. Yes, there are certain things in life that are like totally beyond my control and they're in God's control. Death, violence, etc. There are stuff that happen, but 
The day-to-day of our lives are not surrounding that. Yes, we have some traumas in our life. Each and every one of us goes through challenges. But the majority of our life's hurts and breaks are self-induced. And as important as it is to come into this year, Rosh Hashanah, and to ask God, God, give me a good year, it's as important for me to look at myself and sit there saying, hey, dude, what kind of year is this going to be? I have to commit for a better year. I don't only have to ask for a better year. I have to decide to have a better year because ultimately most of what's going to play out in my life next year is going to be my choice. I'm going to decide what time I wake up every day. I'm going to decide how to fill my day. I'm going to decide what kind of parent and spouse I'm going to be. I'm going to decide what kind of rabbi I'm going to be. I'm going to decide what kind of human being I'm going to be. Yes, there might be a freak act, heaven forbid, there could be something scary, there could be illness, all those kind of stuff, they can happen, that's in God's control, and that's what we ask Hashem to be kind to us and give us a great year. But minus those abnormalities, minus those tragedies, minus those challenges, the day-to-day challenges are mine. Nobody forces me to say anything stupid. Nobody forces me to offend somebody. Nobody forces me to hurt, to neglect, to avoid... Nobody forces me. I am my own man. And next year, other than God, the single biggest influencer in how my year will be is not the local prime minister, and not anti-Semitism, and not politicians, and not the economy. They have some influence, but they are definitely not the major influencer. Other than God, the biggest influencer in my life is me. And I believe that is such an incredibly empowering thought, as we shall discuss just after the song. I would love to play a... No, oh, let's first play some ads here on 101.9, Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9, Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, here on Soul to Soul, final show before Rosh Hashanah. Um, for me, this uh, next week will be a public holiday, and then Rosh Hashanah is on a t- Monday, Tuesday. So let's talk about Rosh Hashanah. We've been speaking the last few minutes about this idea that we are in control of our destiny, and we will have the biggest impact on how our next year will be, not in a you know spiritual way, like if we're if we do good, then God's going to give us a good year. That's true. But if we do good and we make the right choices, then we're going to have a good year automatically because it's our good choices that give us a good life, and it's our bad choices that give us a bad life. Not in a consequence way, but that's the reality. If I say the right thing then I have a good marriage. If I say the wrong thing, I have a bad marriage. If I raise my kids well, I have nachas. I don't raise my kids well, I don't know. The point is, obviously, you know, things can happen, but on the most part, my actions determine the quality of my life. How hard I work, the way I interact with the world, the way I interact with each, with my fellow human being, that's going to determine my life. Now, Rosh Hashanah, we commemorate the day that God created Adam and Eve. Adam Arishon and Chava. First man and woman, Adam and Chava. Now, according to most commentaries, it was on that day, the sixth day of creation, Friday, Aleph Tishrei, that Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Okay, the famous story, they went and they took a bite from the forbidden fruit. Now, why am I saying that? Because Rosh Hashanah, when we're commemorating this day, we're not only commemorating the day of creation, we're commemorating everything that happened on the day. And what the most probably, other than the actual creation of Adam and Eve, the single most consequential episode that happened that day is 
when they ate f- from the tree of knowledge. And as ex- extension, death entered the world and the pain of childbirth and hard work to earn a living. And it's pretty much the world as we know it. Till then it was a paradise world and now it's the complex world that we know, dark and light mixed in, darkness, etc. The complexity of our world started with Adam and Eve's sin, not with their creation. And the Torah tells us, at the beginning of the Torah, in the third chapter, that at some stage, after they eat this, from the, this forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve are hiding in the garden, and God comes and says the first word to Adam and Eve after they sinned. And he says, Ayeka, where are you? Where are you? In a singular form, not where are you as in the global things. That would be Ayechem, the many people, a plural. In Hebrew, the word you, it, it would, would be different in singular and plural, unlike in English when I say you, I could be talking to one person or five billion people. Ayeka is a singular word. Where are you? Rosh Hashanah, that we commemorate the beginning of the Jewish New Year, which is going to happen in two weeks' time, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, is the commemoration not only of the creation of the human being and the beginning of their purpose in the world, but it's also the commemoration of that first, most powerful question ever asked of a human being. Where are you? And as the author of the Tani Rabbi Shneur Zaman interpreted this word to mean that it's an eternal question that God asks every single human being every day of our lives. How much have we done? Where are we? Where am I holding in life? Not where in a physical sense. Where in a growth sense. Not where, you know, what's my um, locality. No, where am I? Where in my life? How much have I grown? How much in my life's purpose have I activated? How much am I alive? Where are you? Where am I? That's the question of Rosh Hashanah. That's the first question God ever asked a human being. Where are you? Not where is the world. Rosh Hashanah is not necessarily the time to sit there reflecting about how crazy the world has become. Yes, no, maybe. It's not necessarily the time to talk about global things. It's a, it's a personal time. I remember reading a letter where the Lubavitcher Rebbe writes to rabbis who were preparing their sermons before Rosh Hashanah. He says, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur sermons are not about world problems. They're about people. Talk to people and encourage them to grow. It's so easy to get lost in the big picture. Yeah, with the world, what's happening to it, etc. But in many ways, that's an avoidance of the real stuff of life. And the real stuff of life is extremely personal. My marriage, my child, my siblings, my parents, my life, my friends, the way I interact with the world, the people I bump into every single day, small but large transformative episodes, not world domination, not world big stories. It's not about being a broadcaster, but rather a narrowcast, to narrowcast our lives, to focus inward on the real stuff that matter. Ayeka, where am I? Not where is the world. As the one time somebody says, stop carrying the world on your shoulder. Just shrug and let the world fall. In other words, ultimately... When it comes to the world's problems, yes, we have to do what we can. But in the words of the Talmud, let the person, let not the person, the being, the owner of this vineyard come and solve. In other words, the universe is God's problem. I am my problem. Obviously, I need Hashem's help. I need God's help in what I do. But I 
not here to save the world. I'm here to get my life in order, to do better, to act better, to think better, to speak better, to act better. That is my mandate. One of the most powerful ideas of the Tanya, that great incredible book, is that instead of focusing on the universe, to focus even on my essence, what am I? Am I, am I perfect? Am I not perfect? Um, why do I have such impulses? Instead of focusing on the, the noise inside of me, just focus on doing the right thing. Focus on thinking right, on doing right, on f- saying the right thing. To make my life better to control myself better, to self-discipline myself better. That is my mandate. It is not an avoidance of the real stuff. On the contrary, it is focusing on the real stuff. When I decide to stop trying to change everyone else and first and foremost change myself, not in a selfish way, not that I stop interacting with the world, but I realize that the only way I'm going to change the world is by changing myself. And when I stop trying to change everybody, I just try to share love with everybody else and change myself, then that's when I start changing the world. That's when my impact is left, it starts leaving my own domain and starts spilling outward to the wider world. Only when I focus inward, not in a selfish way, but in a growth way. Most of us try to change the world and are too accepting of our own faults. And the correct thing to do is, I have to be accepting of the world and totally not accepting of my own faults. I'm not saying not be accepting of myself, but not being accepted of the bad things I do. In other words, I have to do better. I have to be non-judgmental to others. But for myself, I have to do better. I'm here to grow myself. I'm here to lead my own Medina, my own little country, which is me. And there's too many people trying to change the world. I'm, I'm sorry for saying this. There's too many people trying to change the world and too few people trying to change themselves. I promise you 99.9% of the world's problems would be solved if all 7 billion people try to grow up themselves. Everyone's trying to change everybody, but nobody's changing themselves, and automatically that doesn't change anything. You know, very often you'll listen to these talks, which happened around this time of the year. Um, the commencement addresses at the end of a school year, the beginning of the school year, and then you hear the same stuff. Boys and girls, you will go out and make a difference to the world. You are the new generation. You're going to change the world. And I often feel like screaming at the screen and say, Stop telling everyone to change the world. Just tell them to change themselves. How about we just focus on a campaign that everybody grow up. That everybody up the game in in their marriage. That they become better husbands and wives. That they're more faithful and kind and trustworthy and genuine and forgiving. Hmm, how would that work? And how about everybody try to be more charitable and everybody smile more and everybody pray more and connect more and become more spiritual and connect to their soul? That would be awesome. Now again, I might sound like I'm trying to tell everyone else to, I'm talking to myself. In other words, if Levy get thing, gets things right, then at least Levy did something concrete, and he might actually influence the world, because people are going to look at him and say, ah, now that's a role model. But if Levy spends his whole day trying to change everybody else, but meanwhile his own life is in shambles, really? Does he change anybody? On the contrary. And... Unfortunately, if there is one macro issue that we see in our time is uh, this 
you know, one person's going to save us, this politician's going to save us, this party's going to save us, this idea's going to save us, which is totally against the time we live in. The idea that we are now moving as a society to, again, you know, putting people on a pedestal, they are the solution to the country's problems, and they're the solution to other issues, and they are the best thing. That is totally against our time. We are supposed to be living in a time that there are no leaders. Let me explain what I just said. We are living in a time that we can all lead ourselves. We're not living in a time that there's just five leaders and they guide everybody else. We're living in a time that all seven billion of us should lead ourselves. And yet we, we, you know, we opt, we opine to a time, once upon a time when there were a few great people who were the role models for everybody, whether yes or not. But I believe that there's a reason we live in a time today that there are very few people you can point to and sit there saying that's an incredible leader. Because we're not here to point, we're here to point inward. Not out. I'm here to be a leader to myself. I'm not here to dominate. The age of 5, 6, 20, 50 great leaders that everyone looks up to and says, oh, I want to be like them and nobody ends up becoming like them because it's pretty much impossible and because it's not necessarily the role, should be over. Why are we opining for that? Why are we missing that? We're living in a time that we can claim our lives. We don't. Sh- we shouldn't be looking out there as much as we should be looking in here and sit there saying, "Am I w- the best I can be? Am I a role model to myself and to the, the the small intimate group around me?" That is the question. Not global, local, personal. This is one hundred one point nine Chai FM. Would love to hear your thoughts. SMS three four five one nine here at Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on one hundred one point nine Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Afton, and we are talking about the ability to claim our lives, to look at Rosh Hashanah, not as a time necessarily to change the world or to focus on world problems, but rather to focus inward and sit there saying, "What can I do better?" As we said, Rosh Hashanah is not the day. It doesn't commemorate the day in the calendar when the world was created. According to tradition, that was the 25th of Elul, six days before Rosh Hashanah. But rather, Rosh Hashanah commemorates the creation of Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, the first beings who have free choice. What makes the day, the sixth day unique is that on that day, two beings, and they actually had their first children on that day, according to many commentaries, the first family was created who had the gift of free choice. And boy, did they use their free choice relatively quickly. Whether it was Adam and Eve eating the fruit, whether it was Cain and Cain killing Hevel, Abel, um, etc., etc., and within two, three generations, idolatry and adultery and the whole story that as the book of Genesis, the book of Bereshit, tells us in detail. So, very quickly was activated the downside, but also the upside. We had great people like Shet and eventually Noah and eventually Abraham who activated the free choice in a positive way and made positive choices. But the point is that Rosh Hashanah is the birth of free choice. Rosh Hashanah commemorates the day of the first two beings who were given the incredible gift that none of their animal, you know, cohabitors of this universe have the ability to choose we often forget that incredible opportunity we have to choose as one t- I one time heard someone say he says you have to choose to choose in other words you have to ch- make that choice to be a person of choice to to activate that choice to activate my free choice to believe that I'm in power of my life is a choice as well 
You have to choose to have free choice, or rather to activate the free choice. I must choose the knowledge and the acceptance and the awareness that my reality will be created most and foremost by me. I will decide how the next year will be. No, not the the, the percentages of anti-Semitism and not the financial climate and not the global economy. Nothing of that. What was going to affect me and my headspace and my relationships and my inner growth is me, me, me. In the least selfish way, in the most empowering way. It's all me. I have to look inside. I have to choose to, to believe that I have free choice. To believe that I'm not in the control of some global power. You know, unfortunately, one of the, the strongest anti-Semitic tropes that exists is this idea that there's a group of people, unfortunately, so many, you know, people believe in this absolute nonsense as a group of bankers, a group of Jews, so-called, that manage the world. And unfortunately, this idea, the protocols of the elders of Zion, that which really publicized it, is still one of the greatest bestsellers of all time, which is heartbreaking if you think about it. But why is it so popular, this ridiculous anti-Semitic idea that there's a group of people who manage the whole world because it is so seductive to believe this idea I'm not justifying anti-Semitism I'm explaining why this specific idea seems to resonate with so many people is because yeah I'm not in control of my lives there's a bunch of people sitting over there you know or it's them or it's the Illuminati or other conspiracy theories there's a group of people sitting around the table usually you know with with white hair and and and, and Jews, of course, and they're managing the whole universe. And pretty much, I cannot blame anything for, on me. I am not in control of my destiny. I'm not in control of my relationships. There is a whole team of people managing my life. That idea, besides the fact that it's so evil and anti-Semitic, it is so disempowering. It is such a ridiculous concept. And yet it seems to constantly surface this idea that I'm not in control of my life. It's the politicians. It's the Jews. It's the colonialists. It's this. It's that. It's somebody else who controls my life. It is the single most destructive narrative that's hit our world. I mean, for crying out loud, how did Hitler convince his, his millions to go kill millions? Was so much of this idea that the only way to solve the world's problems is to take away that enemy. That person is the source of your problem. And how does any mass murderer convince his people to go out and kill, to go out to maim, to go out and rape? It's the same stupid narrative that those people are holding you back. They are the threat. So not only is this idea that somebody else is in my control a horrible thought and disempowering, it's downright dangerous. Now again, for most of us, it's not going to manifest itself in such a dangerous way, right? Most of us, pretty much all of us, I'd like to believe, are not going to go out and kill, and not going to go out and actively do acts of hate. But nevertheless, even in a microwave, even in the smallest way, when I believe that I'm not in control of my life, and that it's outside influencers and outside events that are determining my mood and my relationships, I am giving away the single biggest gift of being human, and that is the gift to choose. Bechira, the ability to choose, to choose my mood, to choose my energy, to choose how I interact with the world, to choose what I say, to choose what I think, to choose what I do. Nobody can take that away from me unless I give it to them. 
And yet you feel that so many of us are giving it away. We actively make a decision to believe that somebody else is the cause of my grief. I actively allow somebody else to become the cause of my Friday night dinner. Think about it. Friday night dinner is a perfect family time, a beautiful tradition, specifically in this country where we, you know, families sit together and chat. Now, who determines what my topic around the table is? Me! So I could decide whether to sit there looking and saying, Oh, vey, something else happened in politics. Let's all emigrate. I could decide whether to feel sorry for myself. I could decide to share all the worst news. I could decide to be like, you know, the informer of uh, all the heartbreak of the week. Or I could sit there saying, you know what? I only get an hour, an hour and a half, two hours with my family every week. I actually want it to be productive. I want it to be positive. I want it to be light. Nobody will tell you what to talk around your Friday night table. Only you. So why often do we choose such destructive, negative, disempowering thoughts? We, are, we have so much more control on our lives than any other human being pretty much in history. They all lived under dictatorships. They all lived, most of them lived under financial and, and reality, financial issues and realities that we can't even imagine. Are we feeling empowered? That's the biggest question I'm asking myself this Rosh Hashanah. How empowered are you, Levi, to determine your life this coming year? How much do you believe in your own ability to choose? How much are you going to take back? How much control are you going to take back on your own choices? Because that is the single biggest determiner. Obviously, other than what God you know, chooses, please God, He chooses only good and sweet year. But other than God's choices, the single biggest determiner on, for me is me. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. I'm going to use my final few minutes on the show this uh, Hebrew year. As I mentioned, next week, Tuesday, will be a public holiday. The next Tuesday is Rosh Hashanah. The next Tuesday is just before Yom Kippur. The next Tuesday is Sukkot. And the following Tuesday is Simchas Torah. So it's going to be quite a while until uh, we could have a live show here on Tuesday, Fabringen Show. So I want to use this incredible opportunity a few days before Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year, um, to wish live to every single one of us and all, all, all Am Yisrael, the entire world, everybody, that we should be blessed with a good and sweet year, that God should shower us with goodness and abundance in the most revealed and most beautiful and magnificent and empowering way, and that we should partner with God and do our parts to make our year stunning empowering, meaningful, healthy, reflective. We should have a year of better relationships and more nachas and healthier decisions and more clarity in in the decisions we make and just inner peace and serenity and love to our fellow human being and non-judgmentalism and kindness and Torah and mitzvahs, of course, to grow our knowledge, to grow our, you know, the acts that we do, the mitzvahs that we do, the commandments that we do, to become better people, to activate and do better, each and every one of us in all the areas of our life, to be a beacon of light to the people around us, not by actively trying to do, you know, to change others, but by actively changing myself and through that automatically transforming the people around me and just sharing love with the people out there. And most and foremost, the most important blessing that I could wish is that even before the beginning of this coming year, we should be blessed with the coming of the righteous Redeemer, the Mashiach, the time of the redemption, a time of 
please God, only goodness, only revelation of God, only health and wealth for everybody, abundance and all the challenges that do exist out there should finally disappear and we should live in a world, a utopian world, a world of beauty, a, a world of unity and a world of kindness. May it be speedily in our days wishing you and yours and the entire Chai FM team, Craig, everybody, Shana Tova a good and sweet year. May we all be inscribed and signed in the book of good life. And may we all inscribe ourselves for a good, incredible, magnificent, impactful year. Shana Tovah.